Clinical Disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James. And I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. I know you need to keep yourself together today because (laughs) I decided to do this episode shirtless, Doc. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Drink it in. Your professionalism is just beyond words at times it's a heat wave it's literally a million (laughs) degrees and i'm in a sound studio and we are back folks hope you are all doing well and yes your old pal jeremiah james isn't wearing shirt as we were saying in the opening sequence because it is literally a bajillion gajillion degrees right now where i am and uh I had to do this. Of course, you know, the doc jumps on camera and instantly rolls her eyes. You would think she'd be like, wow, impressive. Or like, just like a compliment, like something nice, like nice shoulder tattoo there, Jeremiah. Nope, just uh, was all I got. It's fine. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's not, you know, like my uh, pride can be hurt that badly. Wait. But uh, even though I compliment you all the time and tell you how nice you look when you're, like, you're doing your hair and everything like that. But uh, hey, I, I want to... There is no way for me to compliment you about this in this setting, A, without sounding creepy, and B, <laughs> like, well, really more A, but also <laughs> B, I wouldn't, this is a, I would like to still consider it a professional setting. So I guess I was, I was surprised at the, at the lack of clothing, but well, you know what? Uh, I get that it's hot. So you're, we well, should Yeah, you're it. right. It is hot. Um, it's hot. I'm hot. That's what you're going for? Or are you just saying like that it's no. hot that I don't you're not saying hot like that. All right, it forget it. Th- it is thermally hot. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are gonna do a topic today, and our roving correspondent who was with us last week isn't with us this week, which I know makes the doc sad, but it's okay because I'm gonna amp up the juice and be enough for you, Doc, today. That's my goal. <laughs> That's what I'm ready for. And uh, this one is uh, not as fun as the Debbie Does Dallas topic, the review that Greg, of course, gave us that was so fabulous, a a movie about love and friendship and following your dreams. So here we go. (laughs) Inappropriate adult teen relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Way to ruin it again. (laughs) I can always count on you. No, but in all honesty, we hope everybody's doing well. We hope you're all getting vaccinated, and uh, we got announcements coming up. I know I keep saying it, but the Amy book is getting ready to come out for the audiobook version and on Kindle and all those different things. So if you didn't have a chance to get your free download, that book will be coming out the first week of July. I'll give you an exact date very soon. I just like to keep our fans on edge. See how I do that, Doc? It's like 
true professionalism, a true marketing genius. It's, I don't know, there's so many things that I do so well. You know what I mean? It's, it, it kind of boggles even my own mind. But again, this one is, this topic today, not as uh, bubbly and upbeat as our last one. So let's jump right in and everybody, <laughs> let's just uh, get sad. What a, what a great sales pitch. Not as bubbly as upbeat, but I guess let's just talk about it. Sure. <laughs> we, hey, listen. That was like, you were the worst, you were the, an amazing hype man for yourself. <laughs> the worst hype man for this topic. So thank you. Well, we do have to talk about things that aren't always the easiest, and uh, it's super important. It's not just always about fun here at the University of Pleasure without making any jokes. Sometimes we got to talk about stuff that's a little bit more serious than the troubles that people are really facing out there. And I'm actually glad that you did this. I know I was kidding, but uh, let's jump into this topic today here. What if it's no one's fault? Beyond the blame game, Alternative Approaches to Sexual and Romantic Conflict. Why, Doc? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why do we have to do this? I know that you'd be really pleased if we just kept reviewing pornography. um, My God. I mean, that would be my dream job. (laughs) Uh, Because, I mean, people have... I mean, this is like literally what I spend the majority of my day doing, right, is talking to people about conflict, couples, right, or individuals that are struggling with it at home or with others, conflict that has arisen in their sexual and romantic relationships and feeling really, really stuck. I mean, and I don't really care who you are, like if you're starting a new relationship or you're thinking about getting in one or you're in a long-term relationship, there's always value to kind of reassessing as a person, just how you approach conflict. But here's a great thing for me. I don't have any conflict with my partner. I mean, we just live in this place of just, <laughs> it's so it's so perfect. There's never conflict around anything particularly sex because it's magical, right? I mean, you know my wife. I mean, do you want to go downstairs and get her, and then we can follow up on no, this question? No, that's not the. No, no, no. We don't need to. We don't need to do that. She'll. She's just gonna accept what I say as a uh, fact right here on the podcast. Right? That's fine. Okay. Great. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Great. Good. Great. Sweet. Uh, yes. No. Okay. Okay. Conflict. Yes. We. It is difficult. It is difficult. You know. Listen. I've always said things like, you know, you get together. And, you know, you start and, you know, there's like, we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, like you're in the clouds, you know, you're you're screwing all the time, you're doing all the sexy stuff. And then sometimes maybe in the relationship, it's not as saucy as it once was, right? And that could cause or si- conflict. Or, sim- or simple. Or, yeah. Or simple. Sure. Right. And you get, as you get to know people, you gain intimacy, but you also gain stressors and other things. That's and right. World, you age, as we say, life the gets world. more difficult in certain ways, more that's responsibilities, right. magical in others. Exactly. But it gets more complicated. So it gets more complicated. And I guess that's what we're going for today. And that's where we say where conflict comes up, right? Right. I mean, I think conflict can come up really honestly in any stage of a relationship. But, you know, I, I do think that we have. I don't know, some, you know, like some people out there, you know, might listen to this and be like, I already do all this shit. And for those people, kudos to you, right? Yeah, like, well on. done you. Yeah. <laughs> um, some people have really great approaches and strategies for conflict. But I also think that 
not all approaches work for all types of conflict, right? Like, you know, you can take a singular approach, but, um, you know, certain types of conflict might be more convoluted or more difficult or more emotionally sort of heavy or triggering in certain ways. And the same approach you would normally take just isn't going to work. Like, so for instance, like, Everybody has that kind of like conflict with a partner where like you argue about a thing. I don't know. You disagree on a thing and it doesn't really resolve. You just both kind of stop being mad because you forget about it. You yeah, know you what just I mean? Kind of, like, kind of let it go. <laughs> like it's just like, you know, other things get, you know, the, like we always say, the world's getting in the way. You know, you were really intense about something and then all of a sudden you went grocery shopping and forgot. You know, like that happens. Yeah. It's like like I, don't, I don't even know how many times I just forget that I'm mad. Right. Like and that happens like all the time for people. Which is weird that you say that because you never forget when you're mad at me. So I don't (laughs) Am I special? Does that make me special? No, you repeatedly remind me with (laughs) many things. And and that's not actually mad. I would say more uh, stern or irritated. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. Okay, but Uh, (laughs) yeah. Well, but so my point around that is that these conflicts, right? Like, so those kind of things, right? It's like, well, I was mad, but it just kind of resolved. Well, part of that is about maybe the weight of the emotionality behind it and how important that thing is to you, right? So for some people, like if we talk about sex, there's certain aspects of their sexuality or who they want to be as a sexual partner or what they envision for their sexual relationship that just start over time to feel so important or so difficult or so pressing that they can't ignore it in the same way or it doesn't resolve in the same way. So the approach that they would normally use, which is like, I don't know, go cool off at the gym or whatever that thing is, it doesn't aid in the same way. Or just the way that like sometimes you can communicate the style that you usually can communicate about things and just doesn't work. It doesn't apply um, to whatever the new issue is. And that comes up all the time. And usually I don't see people unless they're at an impasse. Right. 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 So just so people know what like, you know, impasse is probably a self-explanatory word, but just like how I define an impasse, right, is really that it's trust me when I say no one's first stop is like we're having a few struggles. Let's see a sex therapist right away. Right, right. right. Nobody's doing that. Usually by the time I see people, they have tried a lot of different strategies. And an impasse is where like just no one's moving. You're stuck, right? Like people feel really stuck in the position that they're in with the other person or in that in that space of conflict. And they've already dug all the tools out of their toolbox. They've already tried them all and they're just not working. Got it. Got it. So uh, here's my thing with this. Okay. When you're at that place of an impasse, do you enjoy sitting there and telling one or the other person that they're at fault? Because I think that that would be a really great, uh, be like, "Mm, John, you're hundred percent wrong there, pal. Sorry, I'm uh, totally on her side. I feel that you know that that's a setup question, and I feel that you know that I'm going to say that I absolutely don't do that. But (laughs) it's like you know me. Also, the the title of this podcast would indicate that perhaps, what if it's nobody's fault, right? Exactly. And here's a here's a good example. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit of a like a I'm gonna give you a, a Jeremiah James classic story, okay? And then you can tell me whose fault it was or if it was no one's fault. I still think it's her fault, but, you know, you can tell me it's not and that it was nobody's fault and it's magic. But I just, you know, you should definitely say it was her fault. Just want to kind of 
slide that in there. Okay, anyway, the point is, because I want you on my side. Anyway, back to what I was saying, my story. I was in a relationship. I've talked about this relationship before. It was a very difficult time and uh, was living in Los Angeles. And my partner, who I just, I, again, I thought she was the most beautiful person in the world. I just thought she was the sexiest woman. Like, I wanted her all the time. And, you know, very slowly, our relationship sexually started to just kind of dry up into, like, the Sahara of, like, sexual relationships. And we lived together every day, you know. And, and folks may remember, you know, when I got caught masturbating. And I was going to take her to the zoo. This is the same person. So the point is, everything went, you know, really, really stagnant. And I tried my darndest to communicate with her. I tried to ask questions about it. And she wouldn't really talk to me about it. I would try to say, well, you know, we used to be like this. And she would say, well, you know, nowadays I just we're together. And, you know, I don't really feel the need to do that that much. And it, it was really, really difficult for me. And, you know, I, of course, wanted to put a lot of blame on her. But then, like, I thought to myself, you know, is there something that I'm doing wrong? And and sadly, obviously, we, you know, our, that relationship came to an end. And in the end, it was a struggle because I did put a lot of blame on her for not being willing to want to have sex. I was very frustrated. I was very upset. I, I felt very um, unattractive and all these other things. And and the difficulty was that I, I mean, I don't know what I'm really saying here. You follow what I'm saying, Doc? Like I, I just, do. I do follow I mean, what you're saying. I, well, and you're describing like a really good example of like two people reaching an impasse. And yeah, because I mean, I try to listen. We try to talk. I try to talk to her many, many times. And you know me clearly. I'm very communicative. I'm like, blah, 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 let's talk about it. And she really was the opposite. She was not going to talk about it. It frustrated her. It, it, it actually a couple times she cried, not because I was being aggressive or mean, but she was it made her upset because I was upset. And I couldn't find a way around it. And that's, I guess, what we're talking about today. I, I mean, it's nobody's fault, really, is what we're saying, right? But Right, but but I have a question. And I want you to try to answer this as honestly as you can, okay? And uh, at the time, when you broke up, did you feel like it was her fault? 100%. Okay, I appreciate your honesty. And I, I believe- I mean, Listen, I, I'm being, and, and that's totally honest. Like, I can't be more honest than that. I thought she was the most beautiful in the world. I wanted her all the time. I wanted, I was willing to do whatever she wanted if she needed something different. But so when we split up, I mean, 100%, I was like, it was all her fault. Right. And I, and I believe that because, you know, culturally we have sort of, and, and this is not, you know, obviously there's a lot of variability within our culture, but there are definitely some cultural trends, right? Where we have sort of set up when things don't go well in a couple, we have sort of both through overt and subtle messaging set up this idea that like, if something's going wrong, someone must be at fault. And that also impacts the way that we approach conflict. A lot of people approach conflict, like there will be that there is a winner and a loser, Right. Mm -hmm. And that and that's how people approach often conflict. And, you know, I think in hindsight, right, like you're talking about this story, that's a story that I think about, like, yeah, that's a sad story and that's a bummer. 
But was anyone really at fault or was it more a difficult situation in which one person had a higher natural drive than the other person? And maybe in the beginning, your drives were a little bit more matched and then over time became more mismatched. While you couldn't turn the knob on your drive down, she couldn't turn the knob on her drive up. So is anyone actually at fault or is that more just of a, a difficult situation yeah, and compatibility? It's a here's my struggle then. Because, you know, I was willing to turn my, obviously turn mine down more to meet where she was, but she wasn't willing to turn hers up. And, and, and even just like remembering back to that time period and trying to have those conversations still gets like the hair on my back to stand up like I'm a cat. Like I just get like, uh, because I feel still like, you know, hey, I was willing to, to, to meet halfway. I was willing to try to, you know uh not be at a complete impasse like you know listen we all know right. the old pal jeremiah james i do it all the time like if someone <laughs> would ask me like my favorite like kind of day it'd be like it would start with like breakfast and loving and then the buffalo bills game and loving at halftime like you know that's like a perfect day for me like lots of loving and yet i was willing to like dial that down to just maybe like breakfast loving and a, a bills game and nothing else you know i mean like i was willing to compromise <laughs> And All right. But quick question, right? Like, it's just something to think about as you're talking about this. And this is a really, this is actually a fantastic example, right? Like, so what if the compromise that you were proposing still didn't feel like a good fit for her and what she felt that she wanted and needed in her life around sex and her sexual drive and what felt enjoyable to her? I don't like this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a game it's a dialogue <laughs> that's the point <laughs> there is no there is no winner or loser right like that's the point is that you have two people both trying to live their individual lives and to do that integrated with someone else and when you really step back and look at that that's a hard thing right because what you wanted in that scenario was a certain degree of sexual contact and sexual connection which is totally valid and completely reasonable, right? And so you're saying sounds, you're on my side? No. And it sounds like what your partner, and I don't know your partner, I so I can't really surmise what she wanted, but it sounded like her drive wasn't matching even some of the compromises that you were looking for and that there was probably something going on for her that also made that feel inaccessible or not like a good fit or there were some difficulties that were happening. In my experience with people, and look, I know that I'm a therapist and everyone's like, oh, like super like soft-hearted and whatever, right? But like, in my experience, if most people know how to just do the thing that resolves the conflict, they're going to do it, right? They're going to, because psychologically, it makes no sense to stay stuck in that place. It's distressing for all parties. But the problem is, is that a lot of times knowing what, like knowing what uh, could solve the problem and then actually feeling like you know how to, like those are two different things, right? So the way you just presented it is actually, and this is not a dig on you, it's just how we view conflict, right? It's like, well, if you just turn your drive up and might turn mine down, then that'll work, right? But that's overly simplistic because that supposes that that's a simple thing for her to do or frankly for you to do. 
And it's not that simple. I talk to people for hours and hours and hours and hours about this stuff. It doesn't feel that simple. Even in my office, people will often talk about like, I want to be able to meet my partner for what they're asking for, or I want to be able to be okay with what my partner's needs are. And I just can't. And part of that is about like themselves as an individual and like their identity and what their personal needs are. And to me, that starts to fall into the category of compatibility. Okay. So what I'm getting from you is you're definitely on her side and not mine. And it's totally Jeremiah, I know that you are purposefully being obtuse here. And so... Let's practice. What do you hear me say? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I hear you in all honesty. I do hear you. And, and it it, it is tough because, you know, it, it, you know, as much as people think we sit here with these like long scripts, it really is just the doc and I talking here. And, and when I, I genuinely do learn so much, like sitting and chatting with you without making any jokes. And, and truthfully in this scenario, it really was difficult because I did think I was putting a lot out there trying to find ways to compromise and nothing I kind of put out there worked. And it got to a place of kind of giving up and it caused a lot of animosity. It caused a lot of frustration and, and it caused a lot of hurt feelings on both sides. And then that's not just, again, I, you know, like I said, there were times when I wanted to talk about it and I was trying to be communicative and it, it really just upset her because she didn't want to talk about it. Maybe she couldn't. I don't know. You know, I was not inside her mind, but that is something that I do hear a lot from people, you know, like sex kind of becomes like talking about like money, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like personal finances, like it becomes this thing where it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. And I'm going to get mad that I bought a PS5, you know, like it's, Uh you know, it's not in the budget. So I, I guess, I guess what I'm getting at here, doc is I, I hear you without making a joke. I totally hear it. So what I think, you know what, hang on a second. Let's take a break here, because then when we come back, I am going to want you to do the thing that you do. Do that voodoo that you do so well, Doc, as to what we should do in this type of a conflict. When we're at that impasse, what comes next? How do you feel about that? Good. Great. I'm sorry. I'll do my best. Okay, great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. The doc called me out for being obtuse and uh, knew that I was egging her on. I guess she's getting wise to me. Wise to my joking ways. C'est la vie. I guess I'm going to have to throw out some more curveballs, huh, doc? Yeah, great. Yes, please, please, all the curveballs. You, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe you as a part- particularly sneaky person in the way <laughs> you try to irritate it's not subtle jeremiah so really oh, i don't feel like really there's subtle. a lot of smoke that i need to move through there's a pretty high level of visibility in your efforts to manipulate <laughs> a situation or my mood about a situation okay well she knows me, people. She knows me. <laughs> All right, so let's get back in here. 
what do we do? We reach this impasse, Doc. What comes next? Like, what 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 can we do to reach right. common well, ground? Other than, okay. of course, as we always say, if you truly, truly are struggling, go see someone like the doc. Go see a professional. Right. You know, but well, if they don't have them, yeah, if they can't you know do what? that, give us some thoughts here, doc. Yeah. Well, and you know what someone like the doc would do, a professional would do? would make you start to think about some of these things, right? <laughs> so uh, this idea, and we talk about it a lot, right? Like part of doing is also about how you are thinking. In order to change and move through some of these conflicts often require people to really start examining how they're thinking about it, right? Like this idea, it's really problematic when people approach conflict like, I need to win this, right? There will be a winner and there will be a loser, right? or this person is at fault, or I don't want to be the one at fault, right? Like those kind of dynamics are really poisonous. And I do understand that what I'm saying philosophically is a practice, right? I am talking about learning how to be literally your most mature self, right? Like this really requires, but you have to start somewhere and even starting to like think about how you approach it because there are a lot of come, like I watch conflicts play out in my office, right? And people look to me and they'll like turn and they'll do exactly what you did. So whose fault is it? And they wait for my answer. <laughs> and I'm like watching it. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes maybe someone's engaged in some specifically problematic behavior, right? Or sometimes maybe someone has done something very specific to overtly hurt someone. And there's a little bit more nuance to that. But oftentimes I'm watching and I'm going, nobody's, it's nobody's fault. What I'm watching is a series of misunderstandings, uh, different needs, incompatibilities, right? Lots of maybe complex evolutions in your relationship that couldn't have been stopped. Like, let's say, like, what are things that interfere with people's sex lives? Like children. Oh, big You decide to have children. Yep. Death of a death of a parent or a loved one, mm-hmm. right? Grief. There are so many different things that, like, can interfere and because it's just life, right? Or a job, a really stressful job that they thought would be great, but then ended up stressful, or it's the job of their dreams, but they got to push through the shitty part to get to where they want to be. You know, like all of these things can impact things. And it's so complex that it starts to get really hard to be like, well, it's your fault, right? Like, okay, let's say in that scenario you gave, it sounds like you can look at that in a couple different ways, right? Like, well, she wouldn't communicate back. I could argue in a session, well, does she know how? Did she ever learn those skills? What was her life experience? Who allowed her to, what was the messaging she received about talking about sex? I'm not going to lie. If you started saying that to me in a session with this woman, I would have gotten so grumpy. (laughs) Yeah, I piss people off every day. (laughs) I would have been like, why? We're not going to see that doctor again. I I will tell you right now that I tell people at the beginning of couples therapy, if at least one of you doesn't leave mad at me every time, I'm probably not doing my job. Well done. Well done, Doc. Like my job is often to help people look at themselves. Why? Because when you're trying, like when you have an issue between two people, you can only change what you're doing. Right. I have so many sessions where people are staring at each other and they're like, you change. No, you change. No, you change. And I'm like, y'all, that ain't going to work. It hasn't been working for, I promise you, probably a really large span of time before you even came in these doors. 
and it's not going to work now, right? You have to get on the same side of this problem. And I often talk to people about this idea of like, what if this is no one's fault in sort of almost like a visual of like, I want you sitting on the same side of a bench, looking at the problem, not the problem is sitting between the two of you on opposite benches, right? You're adversarial in it. And I try to help people reshape how they're thinking about the problem. What if the problem is not in either one of you? What if it's outside of you? So for instance, in desire discrepancy, what you just described, one person wants more, one person wants less. One person's libido is higher, the other is lower. That's in certain ways, you know, you can't really help that. Is If you weren't in a relationship, there is no problem. It's only in the dynamic that a problem exists. So is the problem within either one of you or is it just in the dynamic that exists between the two of you? And how can I get you on the same side to look at that together? Because that's going to be a much more effective approach. If you're sitting on a couch together, or you're sitting and trying to talk about these things, and either one of you is saying, you're the villain, I'm the hero, right? <laughs> or vice versa, you will stay oftentimes in that impasse, or the relationship will end, oh, right? There you go. No, no, I couldn't. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, it's... I would have to say one of the most difficult things that I've come to learn and I've learned even you know from you and from going to therapy on my own is getting on the same page like becoming like getting into the same space of reality like you know <laughs> like are you guys in the same space of reality or do you have like conflicting realities you know what I mean right. And and that that's something. So how do you? Uh, how, what would you recommend for to 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 find that? You know what I mean? Because I know for me, like you know, when I was in this scenario with this woman, you know, um, and Greg knows this woman. Her he won't call her by her name because she hurt me really badly, Doc. That's why you should be on my side. And you know, because Greg and I go so far back, and he calls her Voldemort because she should not be <laughs> named. Okay, so that's that's a true story. So anyway, so Voldemort. <clears throat> she, you know, I, I was really angry and hurt and frustrated, you know, and for me, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't see it from another perspective. So, you know, going to therapy right. and, and learning and growing, you know, trying to see things from both sides. But how do we, how do we, how do you, how would you recommend? Right. Well, you bring up that idea of like reality, right? So I think this is, Oh, it's a, it's a tough idea for, these are tough cells, by the way. Nobody, nobody takes me off on my purse pass. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. All right. Uh, because it's all much easier in philosophy than uh, practice, but, and I'm not even saying this is simple for me in my life, right? Like you, any relationship, right? Like parents, siblings, right? Like, you know, whenever you're navigating conflict, but when, when you think about this idea of like, I think one of the important things in navigating conflict is really starting to sit on the idea that like your reality is not the only reality, right? There's this idea of dialectics, which is multiple truths, that multiple truths can exist. And you, you'll hear it in like sort of maybe some like uh, areas of Buddhist philosophy and stuff like that, where they'll talk about um, this idea of nobody owns ultimate truth. And the moment that you believe that you're the owner of the ultimate truth is is a dangerous moment, right? Yeah. Like that's when you've really lost sight of things because, you know, and there's lots of psychological studies and stuff that really support that idea. If you look at studies on memory, right? If you show a hundred people and have them witness the same event and then take a hundred people and ask for their version of that event, 
you're going to have a hundred different stories, right? Because our memories, the way that we take in information is filtered through our own experiences, the way that our minds work, the, uh, you know, the, the, the insecurities that we've had, the struggles that we have, the successes, the things that have built who us, who we are as people, that's the lens that we interpret things through. So when I have two people sitting on my couch you know, there a lot of times people being like, no, it happened this way. No, it happened that way. No, it happened this way. I'll, I won't let people do that for more than like a minute. And then I'll be like, this isn't going to go anywhere because you have different truths. We could talk about this, the data of what happened. And the reality is, is that you literally have different memories of this experience. And so that's not productive. What's probably much more productive is to start to help each other, like to work to help people understand each other's experience. We often get so lost in being and wanting to feel understood that we don't make space to understand because that's the much harder part. It is hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's super hard. I'm not saying this shit's easy. I want to be very clear. (laughs) (laughs) This is some of, that's what I'm saying. Like you got to like, this is aspirational, putting your mature pants on, being like, how do I approach this in like uh, a growth sort of oriented way? Okay. So (laughs) once you've got. I love that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, like, what can I say to that? Like it was, you know, there was some very, uh, you know, pointed and heavy things. I kind of felt like you were poking directly at me, like, you know, put on your mature pants. I tried to put on my mature pants with this relationship and I still failed. And I didn't go to therapy with this woman because I was very young at the time, but I did try to put on my mature pants. And I know you're really not pointing at me, but I felt it was a little pointed anyway, because that's the way the lens that just happened. Look what just happened. It's the lens I saw through, Doc. It's my experience. Look what just happened. Look, think about your language, right? But I failed. Did you, or was it just uh, an unfortunate set of situations and it ended in a way that is sad and unfortunate? Did you fail? Okay, fine. (laughs) That's my point, right? Like, this is not a game to be won or lost, right? Like, But I'm a winner. I like winning. I'm a winner, Doc, okay? I don't like losing. You can win at lots of things, but I'm going to say when it comes to matters of conflict and sex and relationships, if your goal is to win, you will lose every time. Maybe not every time, but a lot of times. <laughs> like, Majority. You're going to lose. It won't be it won't be an effective strategy long term because now you have someone on the other side. Like think about it this way. Is that really a relationship dynamic that anyone actually wants? I've won. This other person feels like something's been taken from them. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> what would you put it like that? <laughs> Right. I won. I bested you. Oh, wait, you're my partner. (laughs) You know, this isn't an opponent on a basketball court. Right. Like this is a partner. And so when someone's like that, aha, I've won. I bested you. Right. Like even when you allegedly get what you want. Right. Like you kind of don't actually. Right. It's an illusion of a win. Right. Like you what you want is for things often or most people want. I'm saying the royal you. It's not specific to you, Jeremiah. Right. The royal you. We what we often want are things to feel peaceful and groovy, (laughs) like, you know, like not chaotic all the time. And most people do not want their partner to now start feeling resentful, like they're always in like a losing position. 
And so it really isn't a good strategy long term. Do I get why we do it? Yeah, it's in many ways how we've been trained to do it. And it's really hard to push against that impact. I mean, I've talked about it before. At the end of the day, we're fancy animals, right? Like we're interested in our own survival. And it's hard to kind of push against sort of that animal part of our brain that's like, mine, I must protect. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And 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 that's a really tricky thing. And so I I really want to stress like by no means and what I am I saying is is simple or easy, but I think it's a worthwhile pursuit, right? Especially when, you know, you have somebody that you really want to keep a relationship with, right? Like if you really like if you value something and you want to keep it, it typically needs to be treated with care, right? And so what I'm talking about is how do you treat even in conflict, things with care. And part of treating things with care is about being thoughtful about the way you're you're approaching them, the way that you're thinking about them. Okay. Well, that's uh, all a lot to unpack. Uh, I'm glad you're not my therapist because I like to uh, be validated a little bit more and uh, to feel like I win certain scenarios. And... Uh, but validation, I think, is val. I think that that's a, a un. I would say, a, a, in my so from my perspective, right, that that's not what I would describe as validation. Validation is saying that you can understand, like empathy. Validation is saying that you can understand when you try to put yourself in someone else's shoes and you think about why they feel the way that you, they feel that you can understand that and that that's valid, like given their position, given their experiences, that's a valid emotion, right? But validation is not agreement that something is like ultimately right or, you know, like ultimately the way that things uh, should be or should go. Okay, okay. If that makes sense. Okay, let's do a little role play here, okay? <laughs> okay. So I got, uh, so I'm, I'm walking into the room. I got, my beautiful girlfriend, Voldemort, with me. And we sit down, Voldemort and I, on the couch. And we start explaining what's going on. You know, what would you, you know, if, I, if she's saying it's my fault, I'm saying it's her fault. You know, what what advice would you give to me and Voldemort? So, you know, I think part of it is pulling back and getting people to think about this idea of, you know, how you're viewing one another and who's at fault and kind of challenging some of those ideas. But I also one of the things I work with people a lot to do is how to help people give each other the benefit of the doubt. Right. Like rather okay. than you, you, you are literally using language to describe this person as a actual villain in a story. Right? She was dark. Right. But I would say be wary of making someone else the villain in your story only because then they're going to feel like the villain. And that probably, you know, if you want to stay with them and you want. Well, I mean, no, I don't want to stay with them anymore, Doc, because this is a role play and uh, <laughs> I'm, right. it's over. But OK, back in the well, role that, play, in, in the fantasy world, we came to see you in this role playing scenario. Clearly, we want to be together. So, yes. OK, continue. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, that is something that both people need to, it, sometimes that isn't clear, right? Like that is something to talk about. Like, is it worth putting the work into, right? But that's more of an aside. <laughs> but I, I do think that this, I, 
really trying your best. Like once you make someone feel like the villain in your story or be the villain in your story, that is what they'll feel like to you. And that starts to paint a picture and it very quickly poisons the well, right? Like resentments, right? Especially resentments that have gone unaddressed. That's a really great way to tank a relationship and resolving resentments are really, and this is the stuff that people don't like. Don't get me wrong. Other people can do stuff. They can take responsibility. They can take accountability, especially if somebody is like particularly hurt you or done something that, you know, they've maybe, you know, was specifically harmful or felt specifically harmful to you. But resentments are really more for you to be the one that moves through, right? Like someone else can't do that for you. They can maybe take accountability for things or responsibility for, you know, if they feel like they have caused wrongs or they come to understand that they have harmed you in some kind of way. But resentment is a weight that you carry, right? It's for you. Everything that I'm talking about right now is really for you as an individual, right? It's not what I'm, a lot of times people miss that. And it's something that really needs to be clarified, right? Where it's like, I'm asking you to give something up for the other person. No, I'm asking you to do something for you, right? To start thinking about this in a way and looking at this in a way that might help you relieve your own personal distress. Because a lot of times that resentment, that anger or whatever frustration or whatever it is, is costing you. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes some conflicts can't be resolved and, you know, people end up needing to end a relationship and that's fair. And that, is also sometimes the way that this goes. But I'm more talking about like, when you want to at least try, right? Like, what are maybe some different strategies to try? And, you know, I, I'll talk to people too, about this idea that like, anger is not like anger is an emotion, not a strategy, right? People will often be like, I am angry. Okay. And (laughs) that's, That's the feeling, but something has to be done with that. And the reality is you can't make anyone else do anything, but you can figure out what you want to do with your own feelings or how you want to behave. And I spend a lot of time in therapy with people and couples therapy in particular when there's conflict, especially around sexual relationships, trying to get people to say, to get people to stop pointing at each other and saying, you need to change. No, you need to change. And me saying, hold up, let's back up what are you as an individual willing to change? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to navigate or push through or move through? Why? Because that's literally all you have control over. And if you do that, the hope is that the other person, if you both do it, (laughs) if you both just do this for me (laughs) and each other and yourselves, it's probably going to go better. And here's the deal. Sometimes People don't want to put that work in because they feel too hurt or they feel too harmed. And that's fair and valid, right? But if you got two people there that really do feel open to doing that work, then these are some strategies that might be more effective, right? Some different ways of thinking about it that might be more effective. Okay. Well, I got to say, hang on, let me, uh, because I just want to, I want to finish up this, um, you know, role play scenario. Oh, are so, we still in that? I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, 100%. I mean, don't worry. I was still in it. So I felt like you were like talking to me in Voldemort. And so like then Voldemort and I get up and then we leave and we're like, we're walking down the stairs from your office and, you know, and she says, you know, how do you think that went? And I'm like, I'm never going to see that doctor ever again because <laughs> clearly she was on your side and I'm too mad because that was Jeremiah at 21. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and you know what? I promise you that sometimes people feel that way with me and I know they do. And then we talk about it, right? Because part of what I'm also helping people do in that is sit with those difficult emotions. You're really pissed at me because I'm trying to get you to see something that I mean, you're attached to a different way of feeling about this topic, right? Like somebody's attached to their anger or attached to their sadness or their hurt. And I'm saying, that's fair. Those feelings are valid. And you got to find a way to also start to understand what's going on with this other person. And both people have to do that, right? I'm an equal, I, I am equal opportunity in terms of pissing people off, right? <laughs> like part of like the hardest part of doing couples therapy is often like, you are trying to get two people to do things they often really do not want to do, which is create space for kind of their partner. Like if you're hurt and you're angry, the last thing you kind of want to do is like, well, let me create some space for you. Right? <laughs> like, right? Kind of. Kind of that's what has to happen. So I actually, I don't feel super offended when people are super pissed at me. I'm like, yeah, you're going to be pissed at me because my job is to get you like my job is to help you meet your goal. And if your goal is to work through this, then I'm going to have to make you do some uncomfortable things right. <laughs> that you probably will not like and will not be what you want in order to get to that goal. If yeah, your but goal here's is to break up, well, and, and for our no listeners problem. out there, okay, here's the deal. You know, obviously we're making a lot of jokes here. We're talking about, you know, fake scenarios. But the truth of the matter is going to therapy means you're going to be doing the work. And that's something yeah. you should be very proud of. It is a hard, hard thing to do. And, you know, there is a lot of um, embarrassment about going to therapy and a lot of shame out there. And please don't take the jokes that we're making today or that I'm making right now as something that would stop you from going because going to see someone like the doc and really getting perspective is an incredible, incredible thing. Having a neutral party who is there, especially if two people really do want to find common ground, if they do want to breach that impasse, really take the time and go talk to somebody. And as much as we love to joke here, obviously, we are huge, huge proponents and always say, go talk to somebody if you're struggling. Go see somebody like the doc. Definitely don't come and see someone like me. <laughs> I mean, you know, the and yes, I agree with you. I think, you know, part of the point I'm trying to get across is too that it, it is hard. Like this is hard work. So I really don't feel offended when people are pissed at me. I mean, do I love it? Of course not. I like to be liked. But at the same time, like I am asking people to do incredibly hard stuff, right? Like just heart-wrenchingly difficult, not always, but sometimes stuff, and really asking them to not set aside, but to shelve really difficult feelings to listen. And that is a very difficult process. And I really can't oversell that idea of how challenging this is, which is why, which is why it's a practice. If you think you're just going to be good at it, that's, that's not fair. <laughs> like no. nobody is just good at this, or at least very few people are just good. And at And when it, you're saying right good at this, bat. meaning good at doing like that real... hard work, good well, at, also... and even relationships, we all struggle. Right. So, you know, but, I'm... but, uh, but also really good at like, like that sort of really diplomatic level of thinking that I'm describing. Like I have my perspective and you have your perspective and maybe nobody's at fault. Like I understand that that's an ideal, but 
that's kind of the point. That's what you're working toward. It's not like a place that you like suddenly arrive at. It's the process of trying that often gets people through some of these conflicts of trying to give each other the benefit of the doubt of trying to stop villainizing one another of trying to, to hold your emotions and also to create space for the emotions of someone else, because that's really, I mean, that's really when the magic starts to happen, right? When, and I watch it because I've worked with some incredible people that I've done some incredible work and worked. That's the thing. I, I, I have a heart. I'm a believer, right? <laughs> like, I'm a believer. I have watched people navigate some of the toughest issues you could possibly imagine. Come in, think that like, there's no way that they can work and push themselves as individuals, right, to really hold very difficult emotions of their own as well as difficult emotions of their partner. And that's the thing. Once you can start being presence for those and like kind of hold those things, also like holding perspectives and realities other than your own, that's when like the good juices start flowing and people really start to move through stuff and see progress. And frankly, come out often much stronger on the end, right on the end of that, because they really have developed a lot of different skill sets for the next conflict that'll come up. Why? Because conflict is normal and it's going to occur in relationships and you should expect that. Except mine. That's part. Yeah. Nope. You should expect that (laughs) (laughs) because you can have two really amazing people doing their best that are good people that are trying super hard and sometimes things still are difficult and conflict arises. Well, I am a believer and I am a believer in you. Truthfully, <laughs> truthfully, listen, you laugh, but I am because you know, you're so passionate about what you do and you help so many people. And I think it's an incredible thing. You know, I, uh, you know, I sit back and I listen to you and I see the passion and the intensity of when you start explaining these things. And you can really see and truthfully that, uh, you know, you really care. And that's an amazing thing. So I am grateful to you, Doc, for all that you do. I am grateful for me for being able to listen to you and not fall asleep. I am grateful <laughs> that we are able to push forward through as a, as a team, you know, especially because I really still feel like you are on Voldemort's side more than mine in this whole role-playing scenario. Um, I really hope that's a joke because otherwise I just did a terrible job explaining all of this to you. (laughs) Of course it's a joke. (laughs) You know, I can't be sure always. I really can't. Thank you for all the other kind words. No, but (laughs) in all truthfulness, you are a rock star and uh, I'm just so grateful for all that you do for so many. And thank you for taking the time as always here on the University of Pleasure to educate not only all of our millions of fans all over the world, but of course, me as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, and, and Jeremiah, thank you for sharing a difficult story from a hard period in your life and allowing us to talk about it. You are that welcome, world. Helped a lot. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and uh, we'll be talking to you again next week. Bye, Doc. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. 
additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.